Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 7th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 58, the last line, remember that we deal. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Elizabeth D, 12 Traditions, Laura W, and our readers are Michelle H, Penny C, and Paula. The reference number for Tuesday, yesterday, May 6th, is 6284. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movements, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Elizabeth D. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, my name is Elizabeth D., recovered compulsive overeater in Cincinnati, Ohio. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to approve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Having, Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Pass. Thanks, Elizabeth. I will now ask Laura W. to please read the Twelve Traditions. Hi, Katie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura W., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Anorexic in South Jersey. The Twelve Traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Laura. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you please keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, please let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 58, the last line on that page. We are going to have Michelle H. read two paragraphs, the first paragraph for context only, and we will focus our sharing on the second paragraph, which ends with complete abandon. Michelle H. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. And so, yes, now we're in the chapter, How It Works telling us how it's going to work. We've been through the chapters where um, we've seen our problem. They've told us the solution. And now we stand, and we are standing at the, the turning point. And turning point, when I looked at the definition, it says a point at which a significant 
change occurs. So I'm standing at that point where there's, there's something significant here that's happening. And it says, we asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Complete is 100% abandon. I'm giving myself, I'm surrendering. And it, it tells us that half measures avail us nothing. So there's going to have to be a complete abandon. And this is a, 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 an important point here, a important place where I'm standing. I'm standing at this turning point. There's going to be something important happening, something significant happening here. There's going to be this shift that I'm going to need to make away from self, away from the problem and toward the solution. And I was taught that they're talking about step three here. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. And that's what it took for me when I, um, when I took these steps, when I came into the program, when I was told how it works. Said yes, I, I had a problem with food, had the physical allergy, the mental obsession. I needed to put the food down and come out from under anesthesia. Needed a concept of a power greater than myself that I, that I could rely on and could depend on. Uh, a concept that if it was a punishing God, then I needed to fire that God. I needed to have a concept that I could completely abandon myself to because that's what it was going to take um, for me to have, um, you know, the spiritual solution, to have relief from my spiritual malady, the unmanageability in my life. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this and, and in awe that, yes, I did, when I take this step every day, I'm at that turning point. There's a significant change that's happening in me that I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm letting go and say I, I don't have the answers. I don't know. But I'm willing to have a, a power greater than me, the one, you know, that God, God in my understanding, um, to completely give myself to this power. And that, that takes that takes trust and that takes a significant change, but that's the change that's needed. That's the change that's required, that 100% giving of myself. And, and it's a process that happens to me once I make that decision. I'm going to make that decision that, yes, there, there is a power greater than me. This, this disease is too much for me. It's too big for me, but it's not too big for a power greater than myself. And this is an important place where I'm standing and I'm, I'm going to make a decision here, and I'm going to ask uh, and trust that I am going to be protected and cared for. And with that, I, I go with complete abandon. And then I'm able to take on and, and take on to the next step and the next step and the next step. But here I am at this turning point. It's a, it's a significant change that's going to happen here, and it's important, and they're pointing that out to me today as I'm reading this. And as I take that step each day, um, am I willing to completely abandon myself to a power greater than myself, to, into the, the loving arms, the caring arms, where I'm going to be protected and cared for? And, yes, I get to make that decision every day. And grateful, grateful that I've been shown the way and grateful that today I'm willing to say, yes, yes, I will completely abandon myself into your loving, trusting arms my higher power, my creator. And, um, and we're each allowed to have our own concept of a higher power, but it needs to be a concept that is protecting, loving, and caring to which I can make that complete abandon. And so, again, we see how these steps are built upon each other. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. And who would like to comment on what was read? 
This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you, Katie Jean. Thank you for your service today. You know, it begins with half measures to deal with us nothing. And that's what we lived. Half measures to deal with us nothing. It's so clear. You received nothing. I thought I did. I never lived in the truth, so how would I know? I wouldn't. We stood at the turning point. And I noticed that it uses the word stood. Finally, I stood and I actually looked it in the eye and I said, whoa. And I had to make a decision. And then with that, you'll find the first of many prayers. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. And that is the road that then we proceed to recovery and to become to that place of being recovered. I thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thanks, Paula. And who else would like to comment on what was read? Well, this, this is Jackie. I'd like to share. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Do you want me to go, or do you want the other person to go first? No, I did go for it. You're you're on. Thank you. Oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I heard, no I heard someone else. All right. Yeah. Um, half measures of velvetness, and I really like that. Um, what I've had to learn this week is that um, half measures does not avail me anything. Um, what I'm learning about half measures, see, when I decided to come along with this program, um, it's either that I'm going to give all of myself to God or nothing. If I try to do half measures, that means I'm still in between and between with my program. Part of me want to come to God. Part of me still want to serve that spirituality. And so today I'm learning that God gives us choices. But what he's saying is if you come over here, Jackie, you have to give all of yourself. If you go on the other side and give that other 50% to that spirituality, you're not doing my work. See, if you're going to come to the turning point, you've got to be ready to go all the way, not halfway, not some of the way, but all the way. And that's what I like about this half measures of me now. See, I can use that other 50%, but I'm still not going to get anything out of that 50% trying to serve spirituality. Then when I realize I do wrong, then I want to come back and jump on the God side and, and still jumping in between and between. See, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm getting a weary soul, a soul that aches. That's what I'm going to get because now I've got to keep coming over here saying, forgive me. Then I keep jumping back on the other side and I still want to do the same old thing. So that's really not uh, uh, giving myself uh, to this program. And so today I'm learning that sad measures avail me nothing. I had to learn to give all of me, 100% of me, to God and know that he's going to turn everything around. It's not going to be Jackie that's going to do it. And see, I learned that in, in uh, We Agnostics. See, I, have to, I had to make a, a, a decision. And once I made that decision, I realized that it's time to give 100% of you to the uh, God of your understanding. Don't split yourself in half like a pie and try to give yourself out in pieces and quarters. Give all of yourself. And uh, today I'm, I'm grateful, grateful for the people that's on this program. Really love this, how it works, because it really um, hit home with me. And uh, hearing your shares, uh, uh, some of the comments that I heard 
uh, I felt like I was in a boxing ring because some of the comments hit me below the belt because it told me a lot of people spoke my story, and I really appreciate it uh, today. And with that, thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Jackie. And this is Katie G. I just want to take a quick moment. And when I got to this part of the work, I was at step three, right, and my sponsor said to me, Oh, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today, thank God. My sponsor said to me, that, Katie, this is God's direct invitation to you. You know, half measures, so weak line of action, not decisive. They're not going to help you anymore. And you are at a turning point, which um, we've talked about is a, a point of decisive change. And she said to me, we asked his protection. And what is protection? To shield from destruction, supervision and support of one who is smaller and weaker. And care, what is care? Providing what is needed for sustenance and well-being and abandon to give up the control. So I'm asking for supervision and support of me who's smaller, for God to shield me from destruction and care to provide what is needed for my sustenance and well-being with complete abandon to give up control. What I had had so hammered home to me by doing by taking the first two steps and by reading up to page 58 and looking up words and talking it over with my sponsor thus far, I was devastated that I could not provide my own protection and care, right? That food was not working anymore. Food was my solution to everything, and it was no longer providing me any protection, any care. And I was devastated. I did not know how to live in my life. And it was just such a soothing thought that I could ask God to shield me from this destruction and that he would help me. And that, and I was convinced that, you know, my way hadn't worked. And, and step three was about me giving myself unreservedly through my covenant to God that I'm going to do the work. And when my sponsor said to me, you know, this is your covenant to do the work and then carry the message. And when you're not writing, you're going to get miserable. In Boston we say, you know, when I'm not... When I'm not writing, when I'm on my four-step, and I'm not doing my turnarounds, when I'm on 10, life gets colorful. When I'm not prioritizing the steps, life gets colorful because I am responsible for my spiritual condition. I'm absolutely responsible. Because of the grace of God, I'm abstinent today, but, but the only way I maintain that is through the maintenance of my spiritual condition. So I felt completely ready at this point. I was completely devastated that my way hadn't worked. And I was honored and excited to, uh, to, to get the support from somebody who was bigger, who could shield me and protect me, and I was willing because nothing I had done had worked, and that was all I knew. And today, thank you, God, I live in the sunlight of the Spirit where God does protect me. He does provide what I need when I abandon myself. And do I get in trouble? Absolutely. That's why I have step 10 and 11. You know, I do get agnostic in different areas of my life. But my life is so much better than it has ever been. If you are checking out this work and you haven't done it yet, grab a sponsor, get abstinent, and, and do this work. And if you're, you know, continuing on the firing line, continue with me. Let's trudge together. And with that, I pass. And who else would like to share on what was read? Penny C. May I share? Um, so that was like eight people. So <laughs> the people that stood out in my ears were, um, I think I heard Melanie, Penny C, and Kim. Um, who did I miss? Monica. I who I heard your laugh. Monica, and did I, what is it? Elizabeth. 
All right, I've got Melanie, Penny, C, Kim, and Monica. Who did I miss? Sally. Sally. And I know I'm, I must have missed someone else because that's only like four or five. Right. I heard yeah. Elizabeth. I heard Elizabeth too, Katie. I heard Elizabeth too. Okay. Melanie, yes, Penny, C, Kim, Monica, Sally, and Elizabeth. You know what, ladies? That's what um, I think I'm going to start there. And uh, everybody else, if you could please unmute, we're going to get started with Melanie. Melanie, please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Katie. This is Melanie C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oregon. And I am going to step back and offer it to Penny. Thank you so much. Thanks, Melanie. And Penny, go ahead. Good morning. Did you call upon me? I did call on you, Penny C. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Melanie. Um, I, I I just wanted to to uh, say that. Well, first, let me say I'm Penny C. Re- recovered compulsive overeater, and I every time I hear this read at meetings, um, all all of face to face meetings that I attend in this area, we read this whole beginning of this paragraph right through the steps, and. I I really get to think about the my favorite poet who wrote a poem called The Road Less Traveled. When it talks about standing at the turning point, I all I can't help but picture myself looking down two roads and one is looks easy because it's been it's been worn and, and it's 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 clear and the other one is overgrown and it's gonna be the more difficult one. And it says a traveler, which so often I hear us calling ourselves travelers on a journey. So the traveler looks down both and he considers, which one am I going to take, the easier one or am I going to take the one less travel that's overgrown? And he decides on taking the harder the harder road. And, and he says at the end, and that's made all the difference, that's such an analogy for my experience with the 12 steps. When I first came to OA and I heard them and and it was, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do that. That's a harder way. Maybe I'll just keep looking for the right diet. But I did, with God's help, I chose the road that was more difficult. I could tell right away it was going to be more difficult. And I I am very very grateful that that I did that with God's help and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. And Kim, you're on deck. Morning, Katie. Morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. You know, so I looked up, what does abandon mean? It says to leave completely and finally to forsake utterly, to desert. I mean, that's pretty absolute. Step three is that decision to abandon our old ways. I have admitted in step one and two that I am a failure at managing my own life. So let me tell you what step three used to mean to me before I really became a student of this big book. What I thought was I would turn my food over to God every morning, and then God would help me stay on my diet. And the other thing is I would give God a laundry list of things that he needed to do because I was going to give him directions. And that if I was a good little girl, maybe he would follow my directions. I mean, that's 
directly contradicts what this is saying. We're asking for his protection. What am I asking his protection from? From me. I'm asking his protection from me because I have screwed up my life so bad. I am saying now that, God, I have screwed this up. You are now in charge. In step one, we the food was down. So telling, being at step three and thinking that God's going to help us put the food down or it's going to help us stay on our diet, we have not admitted we're powerless yet. And in step one, the food dies. We fully concede to our innermost selves that we're compulsive overeaters, recognize we can never have that foods again. But what happens when that food comes down, we are exposed to the ism of our alcoholism. We're exposed to restless, irritable, discontent, not comfortable in my own skin. And as we experience that and as we study this book, we realize we need a power. But the power that I've marshaled on my own is not sufficient. And that brings me to the conclusion that I need that power. So we're about to embark on the idea that we need to make a decision to seek that power. And how am I going to do that? Am I going to do that part way? Am I going to do that a little bit? Am I going to do it when it's convenient and not too difficult? No, we are going to ask for God's protection and his care with complete abandon. Wow. That totally changed how step three was for me. Because I used to do the waltz of, of OA. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Is that, is that what's was sufficient? Really, what step three is, I'm abandoning utterly my way of thinking and making a decision to follow the, the, the clear-cut directions in the book. Step three is the decision to go on with the rest of the steps. And it's only by going on with the rest of the steps that I'm going to get that spiritual awakening which is necessary for me to be able to have permanent recovery. And by permanent recovery, I mean that the obsession will be removed on a daily basis and I will no longer find it necessary to pick up that first bite and trigger that allergy. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. And Monica, you're on deck. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in Chapter 5, How It Works. And um, how it works, you know, it's going to help me, enable me to find me, and it's also going to enable me to find a power greater than me. And it says, half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. So we've, we've come all this way, and we've come to the conclusion, step one, that we were powerless, you know. I was powerless over everything. I was powerless over my food, the allergy of the body. I was powerless over the mental obsession. And I was powerless over the unmanageability. My way had not worked, period. And step two, I've come, I've made a, I've come to the conclusion that if my, uh, I'm powerless, that's my problem, then the solution, and I need a power that's greater than me. So I've come to that conclusion that I need a power greater than me. I don't fully understand all this stuff yet, and I don't have this all clear in my head, but that's okay. I've, I've decided, yes, you all have something, you say this works. So now I'm at step three. A turning point and step three is a decision and I was it was explained to me when I got to this point to, 
step three, a decision that I was making the decision to continue on with the rest of the steps. And in working the rest of the steps, that would give me what I needed to get this relationship with a God, with a power greater than me. Because I'm still, you know, I'm not too sure about this. You know, it's kind of scary. We asked his protection and care with a complete abandon. Complete abandon. I I wasn't too sure about all that. What does that mean? Uh, But all I know was I was was in a corner. I was cornered and my way was not working. And they said, hey, how about trying this? How about working these steps? And we promise you, if you work these steps, you will get a spiritual awakening. You will change. And, um, and it's true. And that happened for me. So you don't have to understand God, have it clearly defined, and all this stuff right here. You're making a decision to continue with the work. The most important, best decision you can make, I tell you. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. And Sally, go for it. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally, recovered compulsive reader in South Jersey. Wow, such great things have been said. I would like to say, first of all, half measures availed us nothing. You know, when I read that sentence, half measures availed us nothing, I'm reminded of how I kept OA in a very neat shoebox in my life. For all these years, all these 30-some-odd years, not in the last few years, of course, but for all those years that I was going to the, the meetings, three meetings a week, and making my little phone calls and, and preparing my food, and I had my white-knuckled abstinence, and yet struggled every single day. I was struggling with the allergy of my body. Perhaps it wasn't the allergy because I was abstinent for five years at one time, but I was struggling with the obsession of constantly wanting when everybody else around me was having. There was no neutrality. But I also remember that I kept OA in a shoebox, that I kept OA. I had very fixed boundaries of how much I would give, how much I would do, how much I would let this program bleed into my life. And this is no sales pitch to you or anybody on the line here that you, you shouldn't do that. It's, I see this huge change in me. So when it says half measures availed us nothing, I picture Sally, the old Sally, the strong boundaried Sally's that this is not going to take over my life. I'm not going to have phone calls all day intruding on my life. I will allow this to be here, here, and here. That's it. But it didn't work. It says we stood at the turning point. And yes, turning point is step three for me. There it is again, made a decision to turn. When I see that I stood at a turning point, I had a decision to make. Was I willing to get on a different train? Was I willing to do something different? I mean, after all, definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different outcomes. So when I came finally to a phone meeting that told me I could be recovered, I I had to say to myself, what's going to be different here, Sally? Because, you know, you've, you've done OA for 30 years. You, you've, you, know, you, know that you know how to do the tools. You're, you're good at the tools. Um, but are you, are you going to do something different? What's going to be different here? And that's when I stood at the turning point was when I decided I was going to fit my life around my program because I had no life without this program. Because I was such a sick puppy when I came to this program. So when I stood 
at a turning point. All I had to do was look into the, the sunrise, and I could honestly say, please, God, show me what to do. I could finally surrender the outcome of this program. I could surrender the, the perspective of me, of how I'm going to do it. No more. Now it's going to be, okay, God. And, and that leads me, and I'll just close with this, to bottom of page 62 where, where we're heading, we're all heading here, the bottom of 62, we had to have God's help. That's what I needed. I needed to have God's help. I had to stop relying on me to figure out how does how this program work? You know, because I was working all way for all those 30 years, and it wasn't working. Something had to change. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. That was my turning point. Okay, now I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to surrender my time a key factor of my boundary setting because I had a lot to accomplish. But what was I really accomplishing because I was so sick? So when I read Half Measures Avail Us Nothing, I am reminded of how I kept OA in a shoebox. And I fit my life around OA and I didn't let it bleed into my life. Now, OA is the center of my life because OA is what has led me to God who is the center of my life. I stood at a turning point. The turning point for me, the, the change in trains at the platform was Sally's going to stop playing God and Sally's going to let God be the conductor of the train and my day, my time, my schedule, my boundaries will be dictated by my God. I will ask him, what would you have me do today to work my program? That was my turning point. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Sally. And Elizabeth? Please press our one to share. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Thank you for your service, uh, Katie, and thanks, everybody, for what you've shared so far. It's been uh, just fabulous. It's amazing um, how each of us reads this and um, our own experience comes up, and um, that's all we've got, right, is our own experience. Half measures availed us nothing is what stood out to me and um, it reminds me that I really um, had half measures with the first step. Um, I was uh, someone with contempt prior to investigation as it um, as the Herbert Spencer quote says back in the um, spiritual appendix in the back of the book. I scoffed at the idea of the phenomenon of craving and the allergy of the body. I, I fully understood the obsession because um, it was it was just on me all the time um, with with brief periods of a reprieve from it. Um, but I scoffed at that idea of the allergy of the body. So for me, my first step, um, I only took halfway, or you know, I only took half of it. You know, I had I had to understand the that there's a mental obsession, but there's also an allergy of the body. That's what qualifies me as a compulsive overeater. If I've only got one of those pieces, the allergy or the mental obsession, then I'm not a compulsive overeater. And um, I I was, you know, I've got a note in my book on page 30. Um, not only are you, do you want to be finished, but are you? You know, I wanted to be finished because um I was tired of the consequences. I was tired of waking up with misery in the morning over my eating. But for some reason, when I was eating the night before, it was still doing something for me. So, you know, I wasn't done yet. 
and it says on page 30, we know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. I was, I was fascinated with this idea that sometimes I did have control. Sometimes I could have one piece. So the fact that it wasn't all the time, um, that was blocking me from coming to an understanding that I had that allergy of the body. And that blocked me from being able to take these steps fully. And, and as I've heard others say sometimes, you know, the first step is the only one we have to do perfectly. Um, and I had not done that. And all the eight times I'd worked the steps, I still I still was holding out hope that one day I was going to become a normal eater or one day I'd be able to manage or one day I'd regain control, power, choice um, over the food. And, um, you know, but that even even as I say that, I realize I, I, I didn't even understand the power of the mental obsession well enough, even though I recognized it in my life. Because, it, you know, whatever control, power, or choice I might have thought I had, the mental obsession was going to see to it that it was null and void um, as soon as it came upon me. So uh, I, I tend to be a first-step thumper because of my experience. And um, half measures on... Um, the first step absolutely will mean that none of the other steps will take. And that's what happened to me in eight times through the steps in the big book with a big book step sponsor. Um, not until I woke up and um, allowed the truth of the first step to, to sink into my bones could I actually recover from compulsive overeating. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. And anybody else would like to comment on what we read? Rabia. This Rabia is Anita. And Lois. Karen in Colorado. Okay. And Anita. I love everybody's enthusiasm. Give me one second. So Rabia, Sarah, Lois, Anita, and who did I miss? Rochelle. Rochelle. And Heidi, anybody else? Okay, we're going to stop there. So the list I have is Ravia, Sarah, Lois, Anita, Rochelle, and Heidi. So we're going to start with Ravia. Go ahead, Ravia. Good morning. This is Ravia. I am a compulsive overeater. And yesterday I stood at the turning point. Um, I made an appointment to see a professional nutritionist and um, a registered dietitian. And for the first time in my life, I'm not on Rabia's diet anymore. And I, today I feel such freedom um, because I've been doing half measures for over 30 years in OA. I, I know how to diet. I'm really good at it. And even though I followed other people's diet plans, um, uh, it was never complete surrender, and I didn't even understand what that was until I started listening to visions and got the guidance from my big book guide. And um, so, so today I can go on into the steps and and have the step two and step three because step one is finally clean, and um, and and somebody else is. I can turn my body and my weight and my food over to a professional, and it's not my job anymore. Thank you so much, everybody, for your service. Thanks, Rabia. And Sarah, go ahead, please. 
Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Sarah, and I'm a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, a couple of things came into my mind. Um, you know, this really takes honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness uh, to get to the point where you're willing to do this. I think for me, and I've talked about it before, I think a lot of uh, issues that most of us have, myself included, I'll speak for me, is trust. You know, I don't trust people, I don't trust myself, and I don't trust that there is a God that will help me, at least prior to coming in and and really turning my will and my life over. And I think of a tandem bike, you know, uh, or, or going tandem skydiving. You know, uh, we get on the back of somebody, or, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of attached, we're tethered. Um, and that's how I look at my higher power today. Um, you know, I, I'm on the back seat pedaling my bike, and, and God's in the front, and and I know that God knows the way. And so many times, uh, you know, the path has been laid out for me so beautifully, and I've been kind of digging my heels in because of fear. And, you know, fear for me is false evidence appearing real, and, and trust is try really using step three. I know, you know, all these acronyms, but, you know, they've really helped me along the way in the 19 years that I've been in recovery or in program. And, you know, uh, the person prior to me was talking about a food plan. You know, it took me until about almost 90 days ago to get with a, a nutritionist, and that came about in a very godlike manner. You know, a little god nugget came to me where actually somebody that I had been talking to uh, really appeared to have a spiritual awakening. I mean, I had been talking to them a long time, and all of a sudden it was like, wow, they were really feeling, you know, God's presence, and they had a wonderful plan of eating. And I said, what happened? She said, you know, uh, I was directed to a nutritionist, and I did that. And, um, you know, I I was kind of struggling with a couple of different food items in, in my mind. Are they alcoholic or are they not? You know, they're really relatively healthy, you know, but can I do them? And this nutritionist gave me this plan, and it's just absolutely um, mind-boggling. I don't believe that a nutritionist or that food is my higher power, but I think these are all different steps that I've had to take along the way to get to where I'm at. So today I really would like to trust, which is try really using step three, which is really about faith, you know, about my faith that, that, you know, God could and would if he were sought. And that's that's the truth that I find. And, and as somebody else said, you know, when the word ask is in the big book, it is a prayer. And that is the prayer, that we ask his protection and care. And the care is what I need. I need to know that God will care for me. So I'm so grateful for the second step because I believe that that is the turning point. That is where I finally get to make my decision that, that there is something greater than myself that can restore me, and with that I can truly walk into the third step and believe that God will take care of me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you all for, for, for being here for me. Thanks, Sarah. And Lois, you're on deck. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts, and um, this is such a, a rich uh, two paragraphs. I, my mind is all jumbled with wonderful uh, re- memories. But my, my first thought, thoughts were, you know, cunning, baffling, and powerful, and and the progression. You know, 
this is I had a spiritual disease, and the progression of my disease started way back when, you know, and uh, way back maybe you know twenty years the progression of this disease, and at that point it was cunning, baffling, and powerful, and I didn't really, I didn't know what was going on in me. I just began to feel restless, irritable, and discontent, and I know that my my nature seemed to change, and the only thing that seemed to make me feel better, the only thing I had any control over, which is what I thought, was, you know, um, what I could eat. I could I could always go to the food, and that would help quiet the... the uh, the demons inside of me, I used to call them, and and you know, and and this was this was a, a subtle, baffling, cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it continued for ten, almost fifteen years, and and little by little, you know, this disease took a big part of me, and and it wasn't until I I, I was desperate, and I my disease was more a larger part of me than anything else and the insanity the thoughts you know not only just the weight but the feelings inside you know brought me to my knees no matter what i did and i could always do i had a lot of control over a lot of areas of my life but i had no control over this and um one day i well this was in i think it was in the late 70s i saw a film and it was uh, a father martin who was a, a a priest in the alcoholism treatment movement, and it was a film about uh, the disease, and he, you know the disease was in the ring with a with a su- sick and suffering alcoholic, and and then the the um, the sermon or the preacher went on afterwards and saying you know this is what is going on inside of you. And if you want to survive, you have to get out of the ring. And for some reason or other, that picture stayed in my mind, you know, that I was in a boxing ring with this disease. And no matter what I did, because I had that proof, you know, I ended up flat on my face, back in the food and back in the feelings again. And I, you know, I I didn't know where to go. I had no, I had no. So I was brought to my knees in the boxing ring, and I, I was forced to try to rely on a power greater than myself, for which I had no belief. But it was, it was a, um, a, a meeting, it was a compulsive overeater who, who came to me and said, I've been there, I've done that, I felt like you, try this. And, and that was just one little bit of hope. And being in the boxing ring had, you know, had taken every smidgen of hope out of me. And so it, w- it was with that one other person sharing with me what had happened to them and, and what I could do, and, and, that, and thus began my journey of recovery. And that, too, was a wonderful journey. So, you know, if you're, if you're new and you're coming back and you're here and you're, we're right at beginning two, step two and step three, you know, I pray that you will, you will take this and you will think about it and pray about it, and this, too, could happen to you. And I'll pass with that. Thank you very much, Katie, and I'll pass. Thanks, Lois. And Elizabeth. Oh, excuse me. Anita. Sorry about that. My list got long. Anita, please share. (laughs) This is Anita. Um, I think I'm now finally, after 30-something years, recovering in Massachusetts. And um, I want to say I moved 12 miles from my home of over 40 years and it changed 
the OAers, I began to social socialize with meet at meetings and hear a different message. But the greatest, the greatest thing that I, can you hear me? Yes, Anita, we can hear you yeah. now. Okay, I I think that the greatest decision I made was to leave at the door what I've known for over 30 years because I learned a lot. But did I get what I'm hearing from the recovered people on the line? No, I didn't get that. And I never believed you could get it. But I just left what I didn't know and have been listening and was guided in January to this meeting. And I've got now, I'm in my fourth month of abstinence, consistent abstinence. That's the promise here. And I never understood what the recovery meant, the obsession out of my mind. I, it's just an unbelievable feeling. It's, I'm just very, very grateful. And I realize now as I look back at uh, last night, we, I was at a big book step study meeting and it came out that I remembered that years ago there was a meeting of the steps and I went to it and they said, people who don't have a firm, who don't have one, two, three, go to the room to the left. Those who are, go to the rest and you'll continue. But I wanted, I, I had on and off abstinence but was thin. So I thought, I'll just go to the room to the right. I want to get into the meat. I didn't realize. And um, right now I'm just a very grateful, compulsive overeater with the promises that are coming and I'm did this work, but I never made a part of my life. I never incorporated 10, 11, and 12, and that's what I'm in the process of doing now. And thank you for being here. I listen every day. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. And we'll continue with our sharing on what we read this morning with Rochelle. Hi, good morning. This is Rochelle in Maryland. Um, Boy, this is some paragraph. So all I have to say about it is when we stood at the turning point, I didn't stand. No, I was laying down, face down. I still remember poignantly the moment in my kitchen where I I completely, and I think the word is it's more than wholeheartedly, maybe it's abjectly, surrendered. And it was like I had just I had just finished binging, and I uh, I came to recognize that I was exceedingly helpless. There was nothing I could do. All my methods in the past had failed, and it was because of that moment of surrender and I still picture it in my mind as being face down and and completely low. I mean, I wasn't physically doing that, but that's exactly how I felt. And because of that lowness, that complete surrender, I, I've been able to have uh, back-to-back recovery from day one. And I consider it such a gift because I know a lot of people haven't had that. And uh, I just hope that my higher power continues to allow me to have that gift. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thanks, Rochelle. And Heidi. Thank you. Good morning. This is Heidi, a recovering compulsive overeater in Denver. And I just wanted to share on the half measures of ALS nothing. I think it was yesterday or, or just the other day that we learned about and studied the idea of facing this 
courageously, fearlessly, and thoroughly. And the first time I read that, I, I'm thinking about the upcoming work because, you know, I, I was looking ahead at the steps and saying, okay, what is this about? All right, I've got to do this inventory. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to make amends. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm pretty brave. I can be fearless and definitely pretty thorough. Uh, I, I don't do anything halfway. So, so that didn't daunt me. I could be fear, fearless and I, I felt I could be thorough. But then I read this, half measures, avail this nothing. And that did scare me because I had not been a promise keeper. I was someone who broke commitments and didn't didn't follow through with the things that I said that I would do. And so I was faced with this, this turning point. I knew that I was helpless. I knew that I was screwed, as we say here. I knew I had this disease. I understood that. And that I was at the end of the block. There was nowhere else to go. And I was afraid because... Half measures would avail me nothing. What am I going to do? I never follow through. I never finish anything. I'm surprised if I finish a really good book. Um, but the miracle for me, what I didn't expect was, as I've learned, that my higher power will do for me what I can't do for myself. All I have to do is try. That third step prayer, every day turning my will and my life over the care and direction of my higher power, all I had to do was be willing to try that. And I've discovered that my higher power meets me and, and pulls me along and bolsters me and provides the support. And uh, miraculously, I've had no problem following through all the way through the steps, no half measures. And, um, and that's, that's wonderful. So I'm so grateful for that assistance. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. And we have time if someone wants to do a brief final share to wrap us up for the hour. I welcome you. This is Kathy Katie. May I share? You may, Kathy Kay. Please go ahead. Thanks so much. Thank you for your service. And thanks to everybody on the bridge today. Um, I'm Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, listening to everyone made me so much more aware of what a, um, a process of uh, coming to believe and being willing to abandon myself to God as I understand God has been um, it, for so many years, really, until I did the work of uh, four through nine. Um, I acted as if, but I had such a strong need to control um, that I could not abandon myself to God. And it was a very, very gradual process, I must say, that as I started doing my writing and saying the third step prayer every time I sat down to write, I began to feel something um, come to me that was different, a, a sense of commitment, a sense of willingness and openness. Um, and honesty. Um, so for anyone who's just getting started or just coming back, um, if we follow the instructions here that are being laid out to us, um, uh, we will learn how to completely abandon ourselves to God. And I'm so grateful that, that I continue to come back to maintain that openness, willingness, and honesty. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And it is 7.55 a.m. Thank you to everyone for your amazing participation.
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Penny C., will you please read a vision for you? Yes. Good morning again. It's Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.